you would take your Bible, turn with me please to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 12. Chapter number 12 of Ecclesiastes, and you can stand with me if you would please as you find your place. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, we're going to read about eight or nine verses here. And uh, all right, we're going to read beginning in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number one. I'm going to preach like I normally don't preach this morning. I don't know why God laid this on my heart, but um, he touched my heart, and I'm going to preach it. The Bible says here in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 1, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not. We're going to talk about those evil days coming. Let's read it right here. Nor the years draw nigh. When thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. That's the weariness of life itself. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day, we're going to break this down. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few. Those that look out of the windows be darkened and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. And he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. And when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fears be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and the desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Or ever the silver cord be loosed, and the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Father, I've read your word. I've studied your word. I've prayed over this message. And now, Father, I pray that the big preacher would come by. I pray you'd get George out of the way and let Jesus handle the word of God this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You can be seated. The Bible here gives us a lot of things that maybe we haven't made a comparison to. He talks about, in verse 3, he talks about the deterioration of life. And as we age, we are going to deteriorate. Dear friend, it is just a natural thing to do. And he talks about here in verse 3, the keepers of the house. What is that likened to? And that's likened to our bone, our skeletal structure. He talks about the strong men, and that is our muscles. And so all these things are deteriorating. Then he talks about the grinders being few. You know what that is? That's a lack of teeth. <laughs> One lady said... Lord, I'm glad I still have two teeth left, and I'm glad that they meet. Amen. And so he, he's giving us here the deterioration of life. He, he says, the windows be darkened, that is the eyes get dim, and you can't see. Somebody said, guess who I bumped into going to the eye doctor the other day? Everybody. And so we, our life is going to fail. Then he talks about verse 4, look at it. The doors are shut. That means you can't hear very good. As you get older, you can't hear. One man looked at his wife and said, uh, you're not hearing well. I think you need a hearing test. She said, why would I need a hairy chest? <laughs> 
And he goes on to say this, the grinder's low, that's a loss of appetite in verse 4. The voice of the bird wakes you up. You can't sleep good, little things wake you up. Are y'all with me? Are are, are y'all following along? The daughters of music, that's the vocal cords, begin to fail and tremble. And uh, somebody told, I I loved what the lady sang this morning. Somebody told me one time that I was a prisoner singer. And I said, what's a prisoner singer? They said, well, you're always behind a few bars and you can't find the right key. (laughs) Then it says in verse 5 that, look at it, they'd be afraid of heights. Be afraid of heights when you get older and you, you, you fail. Get, get grandma on that roller coaster at Dollywood, amen. And then it says you're afraid of falling and the almond tree flourishes. What is that? Gray hair. And then it says there that the grasshopper shall be a burden. What is that? Little things bother you more. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> I'm looking at a crowd and most of you are middle-aged and heading the way of, of what we're reading here. Then the Bible says that something fails, and that is death come. And it says the mourners go around the streets. That is your funeral. Amen. And then it says man goeth to his long home. (laughs) Can I tell you, friend, we all know the scripture that says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. We know that so well. Adrian Rogers said it like this, there's no way you can jump in a grave and pull dirt over your face and avoid the judgment of God. Amen, preacher. He said, man goes to his long home. Look at this, verse number six, he says, the silver cord is broken and the gold both. That's that's a, a typology of our spirit and our mind. One man told Bob Jones, he said, preacher, I'm just going to blow my brains out and end it all. Bob Jones said, well, you can blow your brains out, but that won't end it all. And if you had a brain, you'd know that. (laughs) Amen. And so we're reminded here in in verse number seven that we're but dust and our bodies will decay, but there is something eternal inside of us and that is our spirit. And your spirit, dear friend, will live somewhere in eternity. It will never die. Your body will die. The grinders will fail. The eyes will go dim. The, the, the ears, the hair comes out. Everything's going to happen, friend. But your spirit will live forever. We are but dust. Whether you are saved or lost, you will live forever. Received Christ or rejected him, you will live in eternity. You will continue to exist, dear friend, in heaven or hell. The title of this message is Five Minutes After I Die. Five Minutes After I Die. The Bible begins these verses in saying, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, when those years don't come on, when, when all these things are not failing. Serve God while you have time. Serve God while you have health. Serve God while there's opportunity. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't wait too late. It's no wonder the, ca- the college campuses are working so hard to steal the faith of our youth because they, if they can steal the faith of our youth who would honor their creator while they're young, uh, what's life going to be? What's this world going to be when the youth get older? Amen. Oh my. 
The wisest man who ever lived here is the man who wrote these words. Our bodies are going to fail. You can pump it up, men. You can primp it up, ladies. You can prop it up with the latest fashions, paint it up, prop it up, prompt it with mental stimulant. Take all the pharmaceuticals you want to, but you and I are going to die. We have an appointment with death. You can be painted, pumped, primped, prompted pharmaceuticals, but look at verse number eight. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher. Amen. Let me tell you something. If it wouldn't be flesh on parade, I'd hit the floor right there and do 50 push-ups. I'm 61 years old, and I can beat most of y'all around this campus. But guess what? I take care of myself. I eat healthy. I exercise. But the truth is cancer could be in my body right now. And I could be gone in a matter of weeks. The truth is that driving up the interstate to Marion in a few minutes, I could have an automobile accident. Death is sure. We begin to die the day that we're born from the wood of the cradle to the marble of the grave is just a few days in between. Pain is a messenger that we are dying. (laughs) I've got some pains, just shooting pains this morning, and what aren't shooting are reloading. Amen. (laughs) One little boy said this as he got sunburnt and began to peel. He said, I'm already falling apart. (laughs) I think that's where most of us are. I'm going to read you something that I normally don't do, but boy... This poem, it's a poem, but it is so old, and it's anonymous. I don't know who wrote it, or I'd give them credit, but I want you to listen. It's entitled, the title of my message, Five Minutes After I Die. Loved ones will weep o'er my silent face. Dear ones will clasp me in sad embrace. Shadows and darkness will fill the place. Five minutes after I die. Faces that sorrow I will not see, voices that murmur will not reach me, but where, oh, where will my spirit be five minutes after I die? Quickly the years of my life have flown, gathering treasures I thought my own, then I must reap from the seed I've sown five minutes after I die. Not to repair the good luck I had fixed to the goal of my chosen track. No room to repent, no turning back. Five minutes after I die. Mated for I with my chosen throng, long is eternity, oh so long. Then woe is me if my soul be wrong. Five minutes after I die. Oh, what a fool. Hard the word but true. Passing the Savior with death in view, doing a deed I can ne'er undo five minutes after I die. If I'm flinging a fortune away, if I'm wasting salvation's day, just is my sentence my soul shall say five minutes after I die. God help you choose your eternal state. Depends on your choice. You dare not wait. You must choose now. It will be too late. Five minutes after I die. Five minutes after you die, you will either say, wow, or you'll say, woe is me. 
Five minutes, you'll either be comforted with a love like you've ever known or lamenting with a pain like you wish you'd never known. Five minutes after you die, you'll know that the spiritual world is more real than the physical world, that heaven and hell are more real than Chilhowee in this church. Five minutes after you die, there'll either be pain or pleasure. There'll either be heaven or hell, rejoicing or repenting, damnation or divine elation five minutes after you die. Five minutes after you die, there will become a harsh reality that the decisions that you made in this life are now sealed for all of eternity, never to be undone with everlasting consequences. The Bible contrasts for us two choices. Not many choices. It's not a smorgasbord of choices. It is two choices, heaven or hell, Jesus or Satan. Belief, receiving, or rejecting an eternal damnation. God is a God of love, but He's also a God of judgment. God is a God of salvation, but He's also a God of condemnation. God is a God of redemption, but He's also a God of damnation. Let's look at the good side. We're going to look at both sides. <laughs> and I, as I, I always like to end on an upbeat note, an encouraging note, but I had to flip-flop this message because we're going to see the good. We're going to see the bad. And then I'm going to close the message. Let's look at the good side. The Bible says in Revelation 14, 3, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Blessed are the dead. Who's ever blessed that's been dead? Those who die in Jesus. Amen. Paul, uh, listen, only those who, who are blessed in death are those who've been born again. You get born twice, you'll never have to die but once. Amen. You get born again, heaven can be your home. Paul was living his life and his ministry simply looking forward to heaven. And then all of a sudden he had a death experience and God sweeped him, swept him, I guess you should say, up to heaven. And Paul saw things that he said, he said, I saw things in heaven that it was unlawful to be uttered. He said it like this, caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which it is lawful for a man. Man, unlawful for a man to utter. Paul said, I, I saw it. It was, it, it, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't explain what I saw in heaven. I mean, it was wonderful and it, it would be even unlawful if I told you what was in heaven. Wow. <laughs> then he says this. After he sees heaven, he says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He said this, for I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul said, I want to go, but i got to stay. I'm looking forward, but there's something here that God is leaving me here for. You say, preacher, how can I go to this wonderful place called heaven? How can I assure myself a place? Come to Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Resolutions won't get you there. Religion won't get you there. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ can get you into heaven, dear friend. 
It is eternal rest. Amen. Now, let me tell you what I think about heaven. I think I'm right. Eternal rest is not riding around on a fluffy cloud with a rusty halo playing a harp with broken strings. If that's all heaven is, I'd like to reconsider. Heaven's, listen, rest is not inactivity. Let me say that again. We need to understand that. I'll give you something practical. Rest is not inactivity. I hate inactivity. Whew. Oh, rainy days. Man, sometimes rainy days I go window to window to window to window. I watch gun smoke and I'm sick of it. I play the banjo and I'm sick of it. I play chess and I'm tired of it. Inactivity drives me nuts. <laughs> Get me in a car for an hour of inactivity and I'm ready to claw the windows out. Lisa can say amen to that. She has to stop at every rest area. I'm like a dog. Amen. You'll find me in the trees at a rest area walking. Amen. <laughs> inactivity. Heaven is not inactivity. We're going to be serving the Lord. But there's rest. Now here's, a, here's something practical to learn. If you can rest in activity, you've conquered something. Now, if you can learn to enjoy your job and enjoy the productivity, enjoy the work, enjoy being productive, enjoy using your body, enjoy employ, employing your mind, and you can rest all at the same time, you've got life by the horns, friend. So let me tell you what heaven is. Heaven is not floating around on that fluffy cloud. Heaven is activity with all the stress removed. Can you imagine? You say, preacher, I love my job, but there is so much stress. The boss does this. My coworker does that. We have deadlines here. And oh, my goodness, if I, if I could just get rid of the stress, preacher, it would be heaven. Yeah, you're getting it. Heaven is the removal of all of those things, and you can relax while you stay busy. Amen. The Bible says, and God shall wipe away all the tears of their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Stress will be gone, and I say, praise God. Heaven, five minutes after I die, goodbye to pressure, amen. Goodbye to intensity and tension and strain and tightness and anxiety, worry, trauma, trouble. Oh, the land of unclouded days when I'm not stuck in the house and it's raining. <laughs> amen. Oh, my goodness. Heaven, so wonderful it can't be described. Five minutes after I die. Why? Because you're the preacher. Nope, got it wrong. Because of Jesus Christ. Because of what's been done on the cross of Calvary for me and for you. Now, I got to end, and I got to end on the negative side. Here we go. The other side of five minutes after I die is hell. Hell. 
Hell is a literal place. It is not a metaphor. It is not figuratively speaking. It is not a type of something else. Hell is a literal place. In a 1970s newspaper article, it said, scholarly preachers no longer preach on hell. <laughs> the preacher who doesn't preach on hell is unfaithful to the God who called him. Amen. The preacher who doesn't preach on hell is unfair to the people who hear him. Amen. The preacher who doesn't preach on hell is unreliable to the Bible that he's preaching. God help us. Hell. Hard to preach on hell. Let me tell you something. I ain't slept but about three hours. I didn't want to preach this message. I didn't want to end this way. But I'm doing exactly what God told me to do. Is, is it wrong and is it cruel to tell someone that they're going to hell? Well, let me ask you a question. Is it wrong to tell a man that his house is on fire? You're a fired, I mean, I saw the only fireman in here going like this. <laughs> is it wrong when a doctor tells a person you've got cancer? Is that cruel? No, it's not. It's honesty. Because if the doctor doesn't tell the person, if he says, oh, you're fine, that person is going to die because of the dishonesty of the doctor. And yet when preachers stand in the pulpit and won't tell people and preach on hell, how cruel is that? They're letting them die of a cancer that's going to be eternal and take them to eternal damnation. Dear friend, I'm going to preach on hell. Hell. So it is with the preaching of hell. There's eternal death without truth. I have a cure for the cancer of sin. It's Jesus Christ. I have a cure. Listen, <laughs> I've got some fire insurance right here. Praise God. He just went to turn the thermostat down. This preaching on hell is getting hot, ain't it? <laughs> Amen. Thank you, brother. It's getting hot behind the pulpit, too. I'll just be honest with you. <sighs> preaching of hell. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 5, that evil men understand not judgment. Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. Evil men don't understand why a preacher preaches on hell. Amen. You know why? You know who doesn't like preaching on hell? People who are going there. I'm going to say that in a different manner, and I'm going to back up. You know who doesn't like preaching on hell? Church members who are going there. Yep. When you run your preacher off for telling the truth, for preaching on hell, you've got a problem, friend. Hell is a definite fact of the Bible. I'm going to give you two points in ten minutes, and I'm done. Five minutes apiece. Here we go. Hell is a place of associations. It's a place of association. Somebody said this. Well, you know, and the rock and roll singers sing a highway to hell and all this other stuff. Let me tell you something. They say, oh, if I go to hell, I'll have plenty of good company. Let's just see what kind of company you'll have. 
Hell is not a place of social gatherings. It's a place of eternal torment. I'm not convinced yet that hell isn't solitary confinement. Imagine that. Don't think there's going to be much of a party with nobody to party with. Hell is a place, listen, even if there were social gatherings in hell, think of who you're going to be incarcerated with. The Bible says that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. There's nothing good about the devil. Second on the list, here's who is there, the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murders, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If I read this correctly, there are no good associations in the realms of the damned. The bad part is there are those, the Bible says, the fearful and the unbelieving. And here's what really bothers me about hell. There are some people who don't meet all this criteria. Let me read it again. Some people are not idolaters. They don't worship idols. They're not sorcerers. They don't practice witchcraft. They're not whoremongers. They don't run around with other people's spouses. They're not murderers. They're not abominable. That's who's going to be there, but it also mentions other, two other people, the fearful and the unbelieving. A person who just wouldn't believe the Bible, even though the Holy Spirit was there correcting them and, 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 and wooing them, and they just refuse to believe they're going to be in hell with all those other people. I witnessed to a man last night who who just couldn't, just couldn't grasp the faith. He had rejected so long. Oh my goodness. And so that man who just dies in unbelief is going to be there on the roll call of the damned with all of those that I just mentioned. Wow. You see, the Holy Spirit has come into the world to convict men and convince men that this book is true. And the Holy Spirit has come into the world to convince me and you, you and I, that eternity is real, heaven is real, hell is real, Christ is real. There has to be a choice made. And when you and I don't believe or when we reject that, we are calling the Holy Spirit a liar. You talking about blasphemy. I've had that question asked to me so many times. Preacher, what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? What I just said is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. When we reject Christ and reject the Bible as truth and reject God's will for our life, we're calling the Holy Spirit a liar and that brings about eternal and everlasting damnation. Jesus said it like this. 
I say unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Five minutes after I die, I'll be glad that my sins are gone. Amen. I'll be glad that my sins are washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. Number one, hell is a place of associations. Two, hell is a place of separation. Separation. Can you imagine being separated from the God who loved you? Can you imagine being separated from the Savior who died for you? Can you imagine being separated from those who have got down on their knees and prayed for you, who have loved you and witnessed to you and had a great desire in their heart to see you come to Jesus Christ, to see you get saved, to see you have a life-changing transformation, and they have prayed for you and you've rejected, separated from that. Different heaven was made to comfort us and to miss out on heaven is to miss out on what God created for our joy. Amen. It's to miss out on the light that was made to cheer us. By the way, there's no light in hell. You say, preacher, how can there be flames and no light? Do you know science says that the hottest flame produces no light? The hottest flame known to man produces no light. No light, no compassion, no love, no tenderness, no consolation, no alleviation of pain. Only everlasting destruction from the face of the Lord. Someone has said it like this. God does not force people to go to hell. He simply honors their choice. Five minutes after I die... Dear friend, let me say it like this as I close. You and I were made for God. We were made, you and I were made, created to have a relationship with God. Five minutes after you die, you'll either be in the safekeeping of the Lord Jesus or the suffering of an eternal flame. Five minutes after I die, I can tell you for a fact, I've struggled with it. I've doubted my salvation at times. I've had to get in my Bible. Because you know what? I wanted to be right about this thing. Amen. It's important. The most important thing in my life is not my home, my finances, my family, my children. The most important thing in life is my salvation. Where I'm going. You say, preacher, that's selfish. No, God created me to have a relationship with him. He created you to have a relationship with him. That's the most important thing in this world. I've struggled with it, but I'm going to tell you something. I settled it. How'd you settle it, preacher? On the basis of the word of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's settled. My salvation is settled. Here's the most important question I could ask you. <laughs> Where will you be five minutes after you die? Where will you be? The most important question that you could ever be asked 
you will die. You will be judged. You will see God. And will He say this? Enter into the joys of thy Lord, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Or will he say this, depart from me. You cursed it into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The choice is yours this morning, dear friend. The decision is yours. My fate has been sealed in Christ. Where's your fate? Now at this time I want to ask you, dear friend, if there be one here, everybody being very reverent, thank you so much. Is there one here, and by your admission, you say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. And I realize what you're preaching is very important, and I need to make that decision. Would you pray for me? Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Slip up your hand. Quickly take it down. Anybody at all? Preacher, I'm not sure I need to be saved. I need to seal it. I need to be sure. It's too important to question. Eternity's too long to be wrong. You say, Preacher, would God, this holy God, this God of love, would He put people in hell? <laughs> well, when I read the Revelation... And God has destroyed the world. And judgment has come. And people are screaming in hell. An angel looks at God and says, True and holy are thy judgments, O Lord. True and holy are thy judgments, O Lord. Lord, you did what was right. I wait just a moment if you need to come. The Lord has spoken. The devil's fault. I'm going to tell you something. I've made up my mind to fight that rascal as hard as I used to play football. Hey, Amen. I've made up my mind to fight that rascal as hard and as competitive as I am on the pickleball court, amen. I've made up my mind that I've, I'm taking a stand. I don't care what the devil does, how hard he fights. I'm taking a stand for Christ. I'm going to preach it. If people don't like it, I'm going to preach it. People don't want to hear it. I'm going to preach it. If they're not back the next service, I gave them the truth for the one. Amen, preacher. No apologies. I've preached the word of God this morning. We're through. Brian's going to come and dismiss us in a word of prayer. God bless you. Definitely, Father, Lord, as we close this service, Lord, Lord, this morning, it's my desire that we wouldn't close our heart. Lord, I sense that there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior. 
Lord, they're battling that and they're fighting that. And I just pray they wouldn't leave this place until they get that settled, Lord. Lord, our pastor will be in the back, Lord. I'll be here in the front, Lord. Let us take the word of God and show them how they can get that settled today, Lord. They don't have to come forward. They don't have to be embarrassed, Lord. They just have to open up their heart to you, Lord. Trust you as their personal Lord and Savior. Lord, I just pray in that spirit, that soul you're working in now, Lord. You'd give them the boldness just to get that settled today, Lord, recognizing this could be the greatest gift they'll ever receive. Lord, I thank you for your sweet spirit settling down upon this place, Lord. I thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives, Lord. Lord, I just pray as Christians, Lord, we'd live our life out before you, Lord, in a way that would be pleasing unto you. Now, Lord, as we leave this place this morning, Lord, may we just reflect back on just the promise of heaven, Lord, for those of us who know for certain that we're saved. You don't give us a hope so, maybe so salvation. Lord, you desire that we'd have a no so salvation. So, Lord, again, we just ask that you'd move in this service even now, Lord. Just draw that one to yourself, Lord, who's in need to be saved and get that settled. And bless us as we go our separate ways, and we pray that you give us the desire to be back in your house, Lord. And before being in your house, Lord, that you give us the desire just to live for you, Lord, in all that we do and all that we say. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.